have told people as well that not everybody can be trusted with our truth. Mm-hmm. You know, there are not people you just can't, tr- some people you cannot trust. And there are some churches that are just not healthy places right. to share that. Um, and I think that's, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book, because I want to challenge the church. These We need to have, the church should be a safe space for sinners to come encounter their savior and experience that transformative power all right welcome to another episode of the pass the baton podcast where we pass on what has been passed to us and of course what we discuss here is life ministry and everything in between and we have a special guest joining us here for this episode richie halverson and we're just gonna i'm just gonna let him introduce himself so richie talk to us about a little bit about yourself yeah so richie halverson and um i've got uh four children been married for 24 years to my lovely wife Brittany, and um i am the church uh growth director for the Southern Union. That's a recent role that I've stepped into. And uh, so, yeah, God is good, passionate about things like church planting and evangelism and mission and build, creating safe spaces for people to come and encounter the gospel. Love it. Love it. Um, before we dive into some of uh, some of those passions, I got to share a quick story. Uh, Richie actually has made a mark on my ministry like at the very beginning, like literally, because the first church that I pastored, Richie left his name <laughs> on one of the, the doors of the church. So they're like, Richie, who's Richie? Well, here he is. So thank you for <laughs> being there at the beginning of my ministry, Richie. I'm pretty sure there's a story behind that, but uh, nonetheless, I just, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, so you mentioned that um, you're a pastor, you're a church planter, uh, you're passionate about church growth and creating safe spaces. Um, talk to us a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you how did you discover your passion in those areas? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and so I grew up in ministry. In fact, where I left my mark was at a <laughs> church that my dad pastored. <laughs> And so I was a young whippersnapper at the time. We moved to Nashville uh, when I was in the fifth grade and uh, went through school at Greater Nashville Junior Academy, which doesn't exist anymore, but shout out to all my GNGA alumni. Um, And so I kind of was very much born into the culture of church. My family's passionate about some of those things. Um, And, you know, getting into high school, I kind of, uh, started kind of steering away from that as a young kid. I wanted to be a pastor, uh, but the older I got in high school, I was like, nah, I'm not really interested in that anymore. And just started to drift, um, from not only the idea of being a pastor or being involved in those things, but just, um, really kind of drifting from my spiritual context and just my relationship with God. And, kind of got mixed up into some pretty rough and tough things. Um, But in my journey back, I experienced a lot of community that really helped save my life. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in recovery communities and things like that, that that are just very safe places. You know, what is said in here stays in here, and we're very authentic places where you could just be completely, gutterly honest about what you're going through and the struggles you're having. Um, and had things like mentors, sponsors, someone you check in with every day, someone you work the steps with, you know, and steps are these biblical principles that you apply to your life. I mean, this is stuff that I grew up hearing about in the Bible, Mm -hmm. but had never experienced it at the church on the same level that I was experiencing it there. And so from that, fast forward, then being called into ministry and going into that, um, a lot of what I learned from discipleship and uh, mentoring and just building safe communities um, came from my experience within the recovery community. So that kind of gives you a just a little snapshot of why that is a passion of mine and just seeing lives changed as a result. Wow. Uh, you, you've written a book recently. Um, Darkness Will Not Overcome, I believe that's the title of the book. Um, And you share your journey. You share that journey of recovery. You share that journey uh, of struggle and healing and wholeness. Um, Just for for our audience that haven't read your book or aren't familiar with it, usually because when you think about pastors, you know, a lot of our pastors, you know, kind of don't really talk about their struggles. Because, you know, we're supposed to be perfect, we're supposed to be clean, but that's that's not a lot of our stories. And in that book, um, you kind of shared that journey and that and the ups and downs and uh, talk to us a little bit about the book and what's in it and, and why you wrote that book and shared those intimate details of your life and struggle. Yeah, so... You know, that was a process, and it was kind of funny because every church that I would go to and started pastoring, I would share a little bit more of my story, you know, right. a little bit more, a little bit more, because in the very beginning, I thought, man, I, I can't let people know this past because they won't want me to be their pastor anymore, right. you know. Um, so, but I would share enough snippets to where people could at least sense that there was something uh, that was there. Um And so, yeah, that kept kind of evolving and growing until, you know, I'd always wanted to write my story in in, in a book. Um, And so it finally got to that place where about uh, four years ago, I started really just putting pen to paper and, and, and knocking it out. And I'll never forget when I finally signed the contract with the publisher. Yeah thinking, okay, there's no turning back. Do I want to do this? I don't know if I want people to know all my stuff. You know, I don't want to put all this junk out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, God quickly reminded me, it's not about you, Richie. It's about helping someone else who's struggling. And so that's what I did. And, you know, we've seen, you know, God use that book as a way to connect with people. Um, and, and what we've discovered is what people are really looking for from their pastor and their church. It's not that we, we don't want to get up there and, and share all of our mess and just stay in the problem, right? We want to get into the solution. Right. But people want authenticity. They want real. They want to know because everybody knows deep down pastors are like anybody else, but they want to know that we've experienced the same struggles, you know, they're not all the same struggles, but we all st- still struggle. And mm-hmm. I think being honest about that, being vulnerable about that, 
And it is a scary thing. So that's one of the things that I, I really hoped would come out of this is, is, is a lot, giving people permission to be vulnerable. And as a pastor, when I have been vulnerable with my church, mm-hmm. it gives them permission to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then they get honest. Mm-hmm. And then they get honest, not just with me, but with others. And then they tell their story. And it, it lends itself to just a much more therapeutic um, reality because in recovery, the first step to recovery is honesty. Mm. You cannot get clean until you are honest that there is a problem. Um, and you got to cut through the denial and just I- admit that there's a problem. You know, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction and our lives had become unmanageable. And so we in all have to kind of have that first step of honesty as well. So it was tough. I even had some members come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm having a real hard time reconciling this person in this book with the person that I call pastor. Wow. And this is a struggle for me. I mean, and and I said, hey, I get it. Um, That was the same person, but it was also very much a different person. I'm not the same person I was there, but I could certainly go back to being that person if I stopped doing what I'm doing now to remain clean and free. So, yeah, that's a little bit about that journey with the book. For me, it was just telling that story and giving people permission to get honest about their struggles. Go ahead. Did you have any pushback with that, though? Because I know that because, I mean, I've got a maybe not quite the same story, but, you know, I come from a very different background. I didn't grow up in the church. I came to the church later, but I came out of heavy alcohol use, heavy uh, um, opiate addiction. I came out of a real struggle of a place. And when I have shared parts of my story, I'll have I've had leaders pull me to the side. You're the pastor. You can't be sharing that stuff with people people have an expectation out of their pastor did that happen to you and how did you handle that situation because a lot of our members maybe they're in a church where they don't feel like they can be open where can they go if they feel like their church is so it's kind of a two-part question how did you handle how did you handle closeness and what would you say to a member that maybe in a closed church that's not going to be open to having those discussions or not ready for those because it's not every church can be ready to have somebody be transparent they're, they're just not going to be ready for that. So, Sure. Yeah, you know, it was a, kind of a case-by-case thing. I think, you know, there were a few times where people reached out to me and just, you know, basically said they, you know, they were having a real struggle with this. And, um, and, and you know, I've had a couple of people who they didn't say they were leaving because of this, but not long after the book came out, they did move their membership. Um, and I'm not reading into those things. And maybe it was for that reason. Maybe it wasn't. But I had to do what what God put on my heart to do. Mm. And and I, I would communicate to these individuals, I'm not glorying in my mistakes. I'm not, I'm not proud of those mistakes. But um, I, you, we have to share those things because it, it gives people identification and context. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we don't want to stay in the problem. And we would say this in, in recovery a lot. Don't stay in the problem, get in the solution. You know, in recovery, we call it war stories. When people will get there and start talking about, oh, I used to use this much and I used to drink this much and I did all this. And it's, you know, it's like almost like you're glorying in, yeah. in, 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 in that destructive behavior. So I don't want to do that, and I've never done that. But it is important to share where you've come from so that people get that context and, and they can identify with that um, 
story. So I just had to stay true to myself. It was difficult. And yeah, I was also have told people as well that not everybody can be trusted with our truth. Mm -hmm. You know, there are not people you just can't, tr some people you cannot trust. And there are some churches that are just not healthy places right. to share that. Um, and I think that's, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book, because I want to challenge the church. These We need to have, the church should be a safe space for sinners to come encounter their savior and experience that transformative power uh in his time in his guiding and his directing and until we can get honest about that uh it's just not going to happen so um you know i've just handled it case by case i think in some ways for whatever reason i've been fortunate at the churches that i've been and the places that i've pastored um and maybe it is a little bit the way i present it that I've not gotten tons of pushback, mm. and I praise God for that. But um, there has been some, and, you know, I just take it in stride, and, and ultimately I have to do what God has impressed me with doing. And I've had to tell a couple of elders, you know, hey, I get it. This is different than what mm. maybe you're used to, but this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And if you take this away from me, then as a pastor, I'm just not going to be as effective. And... Um, because, again, that honesty, that vulnerability, that transparency is what people, I think, are really hungry for, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting when you consider the Bible characters that we read about, like mm -hmm. Paul, for example. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, hadn't, he didn't have a clean history either. And when he was first converted and he connected with the brethren in Jerusalem, they're like, we don't know about this guy. Mm. Um, and we have so many stories of Bible characters that didn't have a clean sheet. They, 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 had, they had mistakes in their past. I mean, David, for, for goodness sake, he, he, did, he killed someone for his wife. Uh, and yet God still calls him a man after his own heart. And so it just it seems almost disingenuous, maybe that's the word, to, mm. to not accept people with the same kind of past and not believe that God can change them. Uh, and you're definitely uh, a testament to the power of God to change our lives. And I wonder, Richie, since, you know, your passion is church growth, do you see that that lack of authenticity or that lack of sincerity or that lack of acceptance of people that may not have the best kind of background? Do you see, do you see that as um, part of the reason why many of our churches are in decline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't help but see that when you look at the Bible, the same people that are flocking to Jesus mm -hmm. are the same people in, in, our, in, in our culture, in our society that are running from the church. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know, so the, the prostitutes and the, you know, the, 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 the white collar crooks, the tax collectors, and these people who are incredibly considered unclean. This man eats with sinners. He receives sinners and he eats with them. Um, those same people tend to run away from the church. So there has to be some kind of a disconnect with the ministry of Christ and, um, and the church. And, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great churches yeah. out there. There's beautiful, yeah. great places of community. But I do believe that's one of the biggest obstacles coming between uh, the church and really growing is that it is not a safe place for people to come and share there and get honest. 
And until we are a safe place where people get, get honest without um, penalty and uh, rejection, then people are just going to find community in other places where they can get honest. And that's the sad reality because those, some of those other communities, they allow you to be honest, but without the challenge like, yeah, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church can offer if we just allow people to get honest and then just um, come alongside them and love them through that sanctification, that transformative process. Yeah, I know for me, it's always been a it's always been a big struggle because I um, I've never been the perfect pastor, and of course, you know, we know that there is no such thing as a perfect pastor. But I've always felt that I've always sensed my own lack of pastoralship in, in in a lot of aspects of my ministry, and I've always been very upfront with my struggles now not going out there and say okay like you know so all right brother how have you sinned this week i mean we've never gotten to that <laughs> so we're not you know we're not back in the, the 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 old days with some of that but i've always been upfront with people and even then it's like well i know that you say time and time again that you're not perfect that you make mistakes and i've given examples of that and i love the fact that you the war stories i like the i like that analogy with it because so many times you'll hear a testimony it's 45 minutes of what they used to be they came into jesus and they they say amen i mean it's there's nothing about the process of that wrestling process of that transformation um, and maybe even that falling process. Because a lot of the people we mentioned, you mentioned in Scripture, you know, when David committed that sin with Bathsheba, that wasn't past. That was that lived experience at that time mm-hmm. where he was good before then. He was a great and holy man that stood up to Goliath who still fell down, who came mm-hmm. back up, who fell back down, right. who came back up, who fell back down. Mm-hmm. So it's there's this this kind of this give and take with this with this natural relationship. But fortunately, I have seen at least in the churches I've pastored more acceptance in general of allowing people not to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we're in a place, if someone who's listening to this because is, is in that place where they don't feel that, what can they do? Mm-hmm. And because, you know, we don't want people to go to the other other sources. We have the well of life. What can they do if they don't feel like their church is a safe place? How can they find that genuine community where they can be from? Like, it's like what you guys are talking about. I want that. Mm-hmm. How do I find that? Or how can I create that? Because yeah. mm-hmm. part of your role is in church growth is revitalization. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, they say sometimes it's a lot easier to give birth to a baby than to, to, to bring back the dead. But yeah. how, in essence, can we bring the, maybe not even bring back the dead, but to, to take the church off life support? I mean, I, I ask a lot of questions in one. You said last time you were good at tying all the answers. That together, definitely so. was like five questions. Yeah, but. yeah. Sorry, I get. It. That's what happens sometimes. So take no. them, take them as you take them. No, that's good. I, I answer the one you want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, you know, again, going back to you know, recovery is early in recovery. They would always tell you like go to a bunch of different meetings and find one where you can be honest, where you can grow. So if someone is whoever's listening right now, and maybe they're a part of a church community where they can't get honest, where they can't at all grow. And there are those churches. There are there are play churches that are a detriment to the church of God. Mm. They are a detriment. And the best thing they could do is close their doors. And, um, you know, because they're giving Christ a bad name. There are those that exist. I've been to those before. And, and, and maybe people are finding themselves in one of those churches. 
Um, you know, there are other churches in the area. Keep looking. And, and that's what they would say in recovery. Don't give up. Find a home group. Hmm. Find a place that you can call home. Um, but don't give up. If the first one you go to isn't good, keep going until you find the right one. But again, there's kind of a, there, there's two extremes there because people can also go to the other extreme of hopping around until they find the perfect church, which the perfect church yeah. as the perfect pastor right. doesn't really exist. Right. So, um, and that was another thing sometimes. And, and where I've most recently pastored beautiful community, great place, love the area, love the churches, great churches, but there's so many churches in that area that it can lend itself to church hopping. Mm. You know, you hop around, hop around, hop around, and, and you know, you, you don't find that commitment. You never make that place a home. That's not good either. So there's this balance of don't give up on the church because maybe the church that you have access to that is the closest is not a place of healing. Keep going, keep looking, and don't give up five minutes before the miracle. You know, keep... Wow asking God to bring you to the place uh, and bring you to people. Um, and then, yeah, also being the change that you know needs to exist in the church. You know, God may have brought you to that place because he wants you to be the safe space within a very unsafe church mm. uh, and has called you to be there. And that's what I've encouraged people when they come up to me and they'll say, you know, pastor, this church is yada, yada, yada. I say, well, hey, you make sure that you don't do that. You love on those new people. You love on those broken people. You be there for them and 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 a support for them. So find the group within the group sometimes. Sometimes that's what has to happen. And, um, you know, but I do think looking for a community where it is a safe place, that has to happen, you know, especially the more of a vulnerable uh, state that you may be in. Yeah, and I think it's a great distinction is you have to know where you're at. Um, I know that I've had my own mental health challenges and I was, I was hospitalized for it. And when they found that I was a pastor, they said, Oh, they, they, they need you. And it's like, I'm here because I need to be here. I need to get well. I need to get through my stuff. I can't be the pastor inside of the inside of the hospital I can't that's because I was there to be seen to be treated because of my own my own thing so um yeah that depends on where depends on where you're at I can I can I, I relate to that so much so well and I and I think what was what you mentioned there was so good I, I had a, a an older seasoned uh retired pastor give you know he would always refer to me you know he goes pastor your ministry is so important you know you know you're he, he would use that phrase you know a broken healer mm. you know you're a you've got that role of being a broken healer and 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 if we're honest we're all broken um but I think you know there's some truth there. I think that when, when we get honest about our struggles, whatever they are, habits, hangups, heartaches, um, whatever, that when we do that, we are more able to help others because our own struggle produces empathy. It produces humility. Uh, look, I, the one benefit of, of going to the bottom of the barrel is that it eliminated any illusions that I am better than anybody else, wow. you know? Wow. And I think that's important for us to have that because it, you know, we don't view others. Um, 
One of our programs is Unchained, Hope and Healing for Addiction. It's a it's a 10-part online series on addiction. And one of the pastors I worked with, who was one of my interns for a period of time, went took an assignment at a church and went up to his pastor and says, hey, we got to do this, you know. And the pastor said, uh, no, we, we don't want to do that because, uh, and I quote, we don't want those people coming to this church. Wow. wow. So... It's not always the church, you know, sadly, sometimes it is the person, the leadership there, or, or even sadly, the pastor that's there that, that just continues to um, perpetuate this mentality of we're, we're perfect people, you know, we perfection instead of progress, not perfection. And, and so that's sad that that's really unfortunate because um, they there, there's a very good chance they may be in the kingdom. It's like Jesus said, the prostitutes mm. and the tax collectors are closer to getting into the kingdom yeah. than you are. Yeah. Um, because at least they could admit that they're sinners mm. um, yeah. and, and they don't say those people. They know that they are broken just like anybody else. Yeah, wow. I've always used the illustration of a mirror. The closer you get to the mirror, the more you see your own imperfections. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see your own need for him. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Broken, imperfect, imperfect people. I mean, that's the kind of people that Christ uh, came here to save. Now, Richie, I don't want to pivot too far away from the subject, but uh, I know that you are uh, our church revitalization, church growth director for the Southern Union, um, and you have a passion for for churches. Uh, I guess this is a two part question since we want to be specific, right? <laughs> um, what is what is the, I guess, suppose I'm pretty sure there's many factors, but what have you observed uh, is a primary reason or some primary reasons why our church are in decline? Uh, and a follow up to that question is how do we address them? Hmm. Yeah, so that's a very big question. Um, and I've only been in my role for about three or four months now. <laughs> so in no way do I assume to have that kind of figured out, and, and I don't know that I ever will. Uh, I mean, based on statistics and the trends, it's not just in, you know, I mean, all of Christianity is on a, on a, a significant decline. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're finding is a lot of the nominal Christians are what we're losing a lot of. So it's not all bad news. Mm. There are a lot of nominal Christians or cultural Christians, people who are just there because it was a habit or because their parents did it you know we're losing a lot of those individuals but we might be getting a little bit more to the to the to to the core ones that are passionate about it and so maybe there has to be a little bit of a falling away um for us to really know what we have to work with Hmm. um but then there are also churches that are just you know um they're they're not at all a redeeming uh force I would say, you know, the number one thing the church has always struggled with and every organization has struggled with it is 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 change. Mm. Changing to keep pace with still speaking the gospel in a relevant way to the culture of that day. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we, we just get behind. Now, the, the message doesn't change, right. but sometimes the way that we package it has to change. You know, um, evangelism, the traditional way of evangelism, of which I'm still very passionate about, but it was very much based on 
man, we show them everything that is in the Bible. We show them all this truth and they're going to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And when we, when, when, and speaking specifically of North America uh, and, and the United States, especially that, you know, most people identified as Christian. And so you could do that. The Bible says this, 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 and therefore. But, you know, we're seeing that change with more of this relativistic kind of culture uh, where truth is more relative and where people need relationship. You know, they need to, they need to have community before they want to listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Used to people didn't really need that. You just showed them in the Bible and they're like, well, hey, it says it here. This is what's right. So I'm going to do it. Um, regardless of whether these people care for me or not. Well, now we see this change. So I think the church has just struggled with reorienting itself to just meet the needs of the community. We found something that worked very, very well for a period of time, and it still has a lot of value in works, but only with conjunction of being the church in the community community outreach, you know, just very intentional about loving people. We have forgotten of how to have friends who are not of the same faith as we are. Mm. We don't have friends. We don't know how to go out and just spend time with people who do not believe the same way we do. We will immediately start trying to convert them. (laughs) And so I think that just learning the basics again of... Yeah, being in the world, not being of the world, but loving the world, the community, embracing all the aspects of culture, except when to do so would be breaking the word of God or breaking the law of God. You know, that's that's the delicate line of embracing the culture without embracing the idols of the culture. Oh, wow. And when a church can do that, it can really give the gospel in a way that connects. And I think that's the thing that churches have struggled with the most. And it's not just a church thing. It's an organizational thing, you know. And the classic example I often use is, is Sony. You know, the Walkman, when I was in high school, the Walkman or the Discman, that was it, man. That was the musical media device. I still remember those. <laughs> Sony kept on to that and did not embrace the digital media coming along. And because of that, Apple comes along, creates this iPod, and just leaves Sony in the dust when it comes to you know, and so we've got to allow our ministries and our mission, mission's the same, message is the same, but we've got to allow the ministries and our methods to adjust to reach the local community and the local culture. And I think that's the biggest reason why we are not growing is because there is a disconnect between our local culture and the way we are trying to communicate the gospel to that culture. Yeah. So how do we shift that paradigm? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> how do we, Richie? How do we do that? That friend is John. Um. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good question, and we're learning as we go. But right now, it is really. Uh, I think we got to get back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to get back to the basics. There is a great book. Um, it's called Bless the Five. Um, what is it? The five habits of highly missional people and bless is an acronym mm-hmm. and bless just simply uh, B stands for be in prayer. And so it challenged you to pray for, um, you know, 10 people around where you live 
every, um, it's written by Dave Ferguson, pray for 10 people in your community who are not of your faith every day. And then L, it means listen. You know, listen intentionally to other people. We like to do all the talking. We think we're the only yeah. ones who can contribute yeah. to a theological conversation. So listen uh, to people. Listen to at least, um, uh, you know, listen to someone for at least 30 minutes, someone who is not of your same faith. And then you have uh, e, eat, you know, eat with someone who's not of your faith mm. at least once a month. Um, and you, so you have that eat factor, you have the S, which is the serve factor, serve a group of people who are not of your faith. And then the last S in the acronym of BLESS is story. Be ready to share your story mm. and the story of the gospel in relation to your story. And, and so, you know, that stuff seems pretty simple and, 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 and just almost like we shouldn't even have to teach that. But in most of the churches I go to, that's not happening. Wow. And and then we do these big events, which again, I do and I love, but then we wonder why nobody wants to come to our event. Well, we've not done the groundwork. We've not loved them. We've not listened to them. We've not eaten with them. We've not, you know, and so I think that's that to me is the biggest that and and again, allowing creating a safe space for broken people to be able to come and get honest with God are the two biggest factors I think are missing. And the only way we're going to reverse the paradigm and uh, get back into a growth trend and, and church planting, just throw this out there, two seconds, church planting. Most look, churches like people have a lifespan and this is not to say that established churches, we need to give up on them and just put them in the nursing home. Absolutely not. But healthy established churches are giving birth to churches that give birth to churches. Mm -hmm. And a church that is planting churches actually experiences revitalization. And, 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 and birth is more natural than resurrections in scripture. And so we've got to embrace a multiplication mindset. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that has to happen. And so it involves revitalization for an established church involves planting and multiplication. Mm -hmm. You cannot do one without the other. Mm. And we try to, we want to, it's not going to happen. Right. Mercy. Mercy. And I share Richie's passion for church planting because I, I have experienced planting a church myself. Matter of fact, when I first started pastoring, my first assignment was to plant a church. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing, but and Richie knows this because I, 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 I contacted him throughout the process. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What's next? Um, <laughs> but, you know, planting a church has been one of the most uh, rewarding, stressful, uh, sleep, losing uh projects I've ever done uh, but I'm blessed for it and I know Richie uh, when he shared that this is it I mean this is how we revitalize I can tell firsthand that it's it's true mm. um, and I definitely hope that for those of you that are in churches that want to grow to definitely look into church planting and there's going to be there's going to be challenges but uh, it's worth it mm. it's absolutely worth it um, well, we could definitely talk more about that next time you join us on the podcast, Richie. Uh, but we uh, unfortunately have to close this episode. But uh, we would be remiss not to let you uh, share a little bit about some projects, some things that you're passionate about with our with our audience. Uh, 
how ways they can connect with you or look more into your ministries um share a little bit about your your projects sure so we are really building the department um from the ground up we we have a youtube channel right now would love for people to check out our youtube channel um also our website we are building a, a website right now it's just richiehalverson.com or darknesswillnotovercome.com and that has a link to all the different ways that you can kind of connect with me of course my book the darkness will not overcome uh, you can get it on Amazon. We've, we've got it for Kindle. We've got it on Audible. Um, and that is a great resource uh, for anybody, not just people who struggle with addiction. The people that we've seen are really reading this or people who have loved ones, family or friends who struggle with addiction. Um, and so it's just a great uh, resource to kind of give hope, to try to get a glimpse into the eye of an addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and, and give, give hope. So that's another great thing to check out. And of course, people can check out the Southern Union website and go to our department. And uh, we just started updating that with resources, but we plan to have the website that will have all kinds of resources for church planting, church revitalization, for um, empowering uh, pastors, lay people, uh, to where they can maximize their impact in discipleship and evangelism. So definitely uh, check out our YouTube channel, find us on uh, Facebook, find find me on Twitter, at uh, Richie59, uh, whatever those sources are, and connect with us. We'd love to help in any way we can. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And there's no finish line. Well, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Richie, thank you once again for uh, for joining us. Uh, love you, man. Thank you so much for uh, all the wisdom you passed on to me and the wisdom you passed on to all of us here. Uh, the way we like to end our podcast, we'd always like to ask our guests to, to say a prayer. Um, so if you could close us off with a prayer. I'm happy to, and thank you for having me. Uh, awesome ministry. Most gracious God, I just want to thank you so much for all that you do, all that you are doing, Lord, and all you will continue to do in the lives of your people. Lord, we know that um, he who began the good work in us will continue it and bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, that we're works in progress. You're not done with us. So I'm so thankful for that, Lord. You, You know my heart. You know the heart of my brothers here. Uh, We want to see the gospel set the captives free, change lives, give victory, freedom. And Lord, we want your church to be a place of grace where sinners can come and they can encounter their Savior and experience that transformative power, Lord. Maybe someone's listening right now um, who's struggling, Lord, whether it's with a habit or or a heartache or a hang-up, Lord. Whatever that situation is, Lord, I pray that you would bring the right people into their lives, Lord, that you will bring the right church community into their lives, that you would surround them with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak life and love into their heart, that you would remind them that the only person who can see them all the way from heaven to the soles of their feet loves them all the way from their soles of their feet clear up to heaven. And we just thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.